Hello, it's Thursday 12th of October. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bauman and I will be discussing the outlook for the independent hotel sector across Southeast Asia with our special guest, Vikram Mali, founder and CEO of Zuzu Hospitality. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Hello, wherever you are in the world, and thanks for listening in. So, we are nearly halfway through October 2023. I don't quite know how that's happened. Golden Week is behind us, and the travel industry is talking about hotel room rates, occupancies, and revenues for the end-of-year travel season and then the Lunar New Year. So, it's a great time to welcome Vikram Mali, founder and CEO of Singapore-based Zuzu Hospitality, to the show. Vikram worked for leading OTAs before setting up his hotel distribution technology company. He's a well-known figure in the travel industry and speaks regularly at tourism conferences around the region. So Vikram, thanks for coming on to the Southeast Asia Travel Show. How are you doing today and where are you right now? Thank you, Gary. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Um, Currently, I'm in Singapore. Uh, In fact, just got back from a business trip to Bangkok last night. Yeah, so you've been hitting the road again. Absolutely. This is the opportunity to meet the team, meet our partners, meet our colleagues, uh, other industry partners. Great. So there's a plenty to talk about. It's, a, it's an interesting story, Zuzu Hospitality, and we'll dig a little bit deeper into that as we go along. But let's begin, Vikram, by looking a little bit at your career backstory. You were a management consultant before working for more than three years at Hotels.com and then around three years at Expedia. So was the travel booking and tech space where you always saw your your future? Um, Interestingly enough, um, didn't start out like that. Um, As you know, most of the management consultants, they live out of their suitcases. I was one of them. I was traveling for business all the time. In fact, every Monday I would go out to a client office. Every Thursday I would come back to home. Um, And I did that for a long time. I enjoyed management consulting, but the thing I enjoyed even more was getting on that plane on Monday morning and coming back on Thursday on a flight as well. And that's what spurred the the passion in terms of travel for me. Um, You know, I I did it so often. I did it so regularly. I was very excited about booking my flights, booking my hotels. um, And I thought this industry is super exciting. I need to be in this industry at some point. And then um, I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to join Hotels.com and run their product team for a while, go into customer marketing. I did some customer marketing work for them in the U.S. After a couple of years with them, I found an opportunity to come back to Asia. So I'm originally from India and I got an opportunity to come back to India to set up Expedia brand in India, um, which was very exciting at that time. Indian online travel business, Indian Indian online travel uh, space was uh, heating up at that time. Um, I thought it's a great opportunity to go and build that Expedia brand. I did that for about a year, year and a half, um, eventually then taking over Southeast Asia as part of my portfolio. Um, When that happened, I moved to Singapore and I've been in Singapore since then. So it's been 10 years in Singapore. Uh, the last three years of Expedia uh, in Singapore, I managed the entire APAC business. So, you know, long story, but there was some 
elements of uh, management consulting and travel business travel at that time that pulled me into the travel space and now i can't even imagine working in any other industry no me i love that so you said you've been in singapore for about 10 years so Eight years ago, you decided to establish Zuzu Hospitality. Why then? And, you know, what, what was the company's formative ambitions when you did start it? So uh, Zuzu started about eight years ago, as you, as you mentioned. The big driver for, uh, for me to leave Expedia and start Zuzu was this keen desire to champion independent hotels. One of the big challenges that the OTAs at that time were having was managing these long tail of hotels. Um, these hotels had very unique offerings. They brought obviously a lot of local flavors, but they didn't have any technology. They didn't have any expertise on how to do their online distribution and revenue management. So our mission at Zuzu from day one was to empower these independent hotels. Um, the way we did this was we built an entire platform for our independent hotel partners. Um, it's an all-in-one platform that has every essential piece of technology that an independent hotel would need. So starting from PMS, revenue management system, channel manager, reviews monitoring, booking engine, insight analytics, data analytics, all of those elements were put into one platform. So we built this entire platform from scratch as an all-in-one platform so the independent hotel doesn't have to go and buy five, six different pieces of technology, figure out how to integrate those technologies, which can be very, very complex for a small hotel. Then what we did was on top of this all-in-one platform, we added a service layer to it. We Zuzu, our teams, we hired experts in revenue management pricing, we hired experts in content, online distribution, and these experts are the ones that then manage these hotels. So our team is doing all the heavy lifting, we are doing all the work for the hotel partners so that the hotel partners can focus on delivering a great guest experience while we take over all the complicated stuff that needs to be done in order for us to drive demand to those hotel partners. Um, and that's sort of you know what has stayed with us, that uh, DNA of empowering independent hotels still continues. And the name Vikram, Zuzu Hospitality, what was the symbolism of that? It's an interesting story. We, uh, you know, my, my co-founder, Dan Lin, and I both came from Expedia. We, you know, we were always interested with the word Expedia and how did that come about and why Expedia is, is something that people memorize or remember more than, than some of the other brands. You know, at Hotels.com, we had that same challenge where people didn't remember Hotels.com, but they remembered Expedia. So one of the things that we found was, you know, having words that include letters that have high Scrabble scores. So, you know, Zs and Xs and Ys. Um, apparently, people tend to remember those quite a bit. And then if you have a very short name which has repetition in it, they, people also remember that, that name quite a bit. So that's how Zuzu came about. We, we bounced around a few ideas and ended up with Zuzu. It's something that's memorable. It's easy to say. It's easy to write. Um, that's, that's the story about it. 
<laughs> Terrific insight that Vikram and, and a great lesson for any startups out there trying to uh, come together with their brand name and still struggling with how they do that. There's plenty that we want to talk about, about how you develop the business, but let's, let's bring it sort of up to date more, more recently. You, you've completed a, a new Series B funding round. I think it's around about US $9 million. Where will that take you in future? What, what's the, the focus of your expansion now that you've secured that investment? So there are three areas that we are looking into in terms of investment. I mean, one most obvious one for us is to increase our footprint, increase the number of hotel partners that we work with. As of today, we are, work with about 2,500 hotels. We want to double that number by end of 2024. Um, to about 5,000. Now, keep in mind, in the markets that we are in, so Southeast Asia and India, combined have somewhere around 200,000 independent hotels. So we are going to go after the 5,000 by end of 2024. So that's one area. Second for us is product improvement. Obviously, as I mentioned, you know, all in one platform is amazing for independent hotels. But we want to make sure that we are staying ahead of all the technology development. We are making sure that we are understanding what some of the key issues that the hotels are facing and trying to solve that with technology. So beyond the channel management, beyond the PMS, what else uh, can we do for the hotel? So the two areas within that are payments. We know payments is a big issue for, for independent hotels, collecting payments on time, making payments to the OTAs, that's a big, big challenge. We have done some work on that, but we'll continue to do a lot more work on that. And second is as hotels are starting to face a little bit of staff shortage um, across this region, we want to start automating some of the guest management um, um, experiences as well. So uh, those are two areas. So payments and guest management are two areas on the product side. And then the final thing that we are investing in is, um, you know, a very obvious sort of topic of AI. I think AI will fundamentally and significantly change the way people travel, the way people interact with um, with others, the way services delivered within the hotels. Um, and so we are starting to um, make some investments in that area. It's very early stages, but but it's an important area for us as we go forward. So you mentioned just then, Vikram, about payments, and that's something that you're focusing on now. And I know that that's something that even at the beginning of, of Zuzu, that was what you were also looking at is understanding the challenges around managing payments for independent hotels. Um, so I wonder, how are these challenges evolving pre-pandemic? You know, what what's the difference between payment issues that perhaps hotels were facing pre-pandemic and now, and where do you see that going? challenges related to payments have not significantly changed pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, at least as far as it relates to independent hotels. Um, independent hotels always had a, a big challenge around payments. And when I say payment, there are two aspects of payment. Right? One was for them to collect payments from their guests, making sure that that process and that payment flow is very seamless with the guests making sure that they are able to collect in whatever format and uh, uh, of payment that the guest prefers. And then the second piece was managing payments with their distribution partners. How do I make sure that I'm collecting from Expedia or Traveloka or Ctrip on time? How do I make sure as a hotel that I'm paying booking.com on time? 
and that process was super complex for independent hotels um, yeah again keep in mind these hotels have very limited staff one person is trying to do multiple different things they are wearing multiple different hats so it was very very challenging for them to do that what we have done within our platform is now fully automated that entire piece both sides um, so on the on the guest front now we put in our payment gateway for the hotel in the pms where they can go and collect payment from their guests in any format um, whether it's for the room charges whether it's for f and b they don't have to worry about um, not being able to collect payment from the guests then on the supplier side or on the distribution side we have automated that entire invoice management with the distribution partners um, so when a partner hotel partner works with us we collect payments from Expedia, we collect payment from Booking, uh, uh, Traveloka, we collect payment from Trip, Agoda, and then we also make payment to Booking.com for their commission. So at the end of the period, the hotel gets a net payment after collecting everything and paying everything out. So they don't have to worry about uh, making sure that they, they, they are not missing something. So moving sort of around the region now, Vikram, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how travel is rebounding across the Asia-Pacific markets, although it's at different speeds and scales, as we know. It's probably evened out a little bit across the year, but it's still pretty uneven. So the next question is kind of in two parts. Firstly, can you tell us which are your core markets? And then tell us a little bit how the recovery landscape is looking in those different markets so far in 2023 and sort of the outlook going forward so the the two big markets for us are indonesia and thailand um, we are present in about seven different markets but those two markets are, are the biggest ones for us and within indonesia and thailand the big markets for us are bali in indonesia and for thailand it's bangkok and phuket so you know the the big travel markets that you would expect any travel or hospitality company to have so for us, when we look at or when I look at our numbers and, and how far we have come uh, post-COVID, um, a market like Indonesia, especially Bali, is only about two-thirds of the way back for us. So it's not fully back to pre-COVID levels. Um, it started out quite fast um, in terms of pickup by end of last year. Um, and you know the growth has slowed down a little bit post the July, August peak. So they're still back at two thirds of the, of the way. Then markets like uh, Phuket and Bangkok are even slower a little bit. Um, they had a pretty good, decent July, August, but generally those two markets depend quite heavily on China outbound and China outbound hasn't come back to pre-COVID level, largely because flight capacity is not fully back from China. Um, also, there's some economic sort of uncertainties in China that are driving people to be a little bit more careful in their travel planning. So Thailand for us is a little bit behind in terms of uh, where it was in pre-COVID. Some of the other markets that we are in, so markets like Malaysia, India now, those markets did pretty well even during COVID. So India and Malaysia, which are largely domestic markets, they actually did very well. And as borders have opened up, interestingly enough, Malaysia and India for us are starting to slow down a little bit. So they are now under 2019 numbers, but they were um, you know, better than 2019 um, during COVID. 
so as you mentioned you know very different speeds and scales of of recovery um that we are seeing in each of our market so i'm just curious vikram uh many of your independent hotels are they kind of mid-range starred hotels or are they they're more budget they're they more upper scale is that something perhaps behind why some of the recovery is a bit slower um yeah so great question Anna. i look what we because we are not a brand right um that allows us to work with a wide spectrum of properties and hotels right different types of hotels. So in our portfolio, in Zuzu's portfolio, we have hotels that are at the four star, five star kind of upper end uh, at the higher end of the ADRs. And then we also have hotels that are um, on the lower end of the ADR. A big chunk though of our hotels are in that three star category. We have hotels on the on the top end. We have hotels on the on the lower end, but majority of our hotels are in that three star category. And similarly, in terms of property type, I keep saying hotels, but really we do work with other properties, right? So we work with a lot of villas in Bali, as you can imagine, um, a lot of villas in Phuket. We work with um, some guest houses in markets like Jogjakarta. We work with apartments in, in markets like Jakarta and KL. So we have a wide range of different type of properties that we work with. That's interesting. Yeah, because I was wondering, because I know that in, in many markets, it's the it's the lower start hotels that are seeing that slower recovery, whereas it's, you know, the the, the higher end hotels have, have seen a bit of a bounce back, but it's the, the, sm- the smaller ones that are, are kind of struggling. So I wondered, perhaps that's also why some of the Bangkok and, and Phuket, like you say, it, they did well, and now they're they, they kind of lagging again, perhaps for Malaysia too. So, you know, we've, we've talked about payments, um, but beyond payments, what are some particular challenges or particular opportunities for independent hotels at this particular point of time? I, I think the biggest challenge right now for a lot of the hotel partners' properties that we work with are around staffing. Um, unfortunately, during COVID, um, travel as an industry lost a lot of people who were working in the industry. They went and started doing something else. So I think labor crunch uh, is, is one big challenge. Um, and some of the things that I mentioned to you around guest management, around helping the hotels be more efficient on payment, I think those are the two areas where we are going to focus on to solve some of these challenges that the hotels have, right? So on guest management, for example, we are now starting to send out pre-arrival check-in emails to the guests that are uh, that are coming to our hotel partners, so the hotel can manage their operation with fewer people. Uh, we are starting to build a CRM where we will then also do post-stay emails with the hotels and get reviews and and feedback from those guests. Uh, we are starting to do some sentiment analysis around reviews that are already being collected so we can help the hotel understand what are the areas that they should focus on in terms of improvement. So there's a, there's a whole lot of work on the product side that we are going to do to make sure that we can help independent hotels who always had very limited resources, but now with staffing shortages, um, they, are, they are struggling even more in terms of attracting the talent and getting um, getting fully um, recovered in terms of the talent pool they have. And how about for sustainability? Are there are there any? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of pressure now on hotels and properties to be measuring 
different data points when it comes to how sustainable they are. Is that something also that, that Suzu Hospitality is starting to look at? So in some markets, that is becoming a, a, a topic that our hotels are saying they're interested in. You know, when I look at the portfolio of, again, the, the kind of hotels and properties that we work with, uh, a fairly big chunk, so about 20% of the properties that we work with are these villa, guest houses kind of properties. When we talk to them, so when you talk to a villa in Bali, they kind of will tell you that they've always been focused on sustainability, right? If you're a small villa in Bali, you were recruiting or hiring people from your, uh, from your village or neighborhood. You were making sure that there's little wastage. You're already making sure there's no plastic. A lot of these properties, especially the smaller ones, um, because of cost pressures, because of the way they ran their business, were already you know, high on that sustainability index, if you will. The, the whole sort of focus on sustainability is really coming from bigger chains, which have been not so great at it. Uh, so what we hear from our partners, at least from the smaller ones or independent hotels, uh, they've already been focused on it. Now, obviously, they need some information and data to evaluate how good they are on those on those metrics. And that's something that we are starting to look at. But generally, it's not a, as big of an issue with, with these smaller independent hotels as it is for, for big chains. What about guest experiences? If if you talk to the the big hotel majors, they tell you that you know guests now view, particularly in the upper mid and the, and the luxury segments, that guests really expect hotels to be kind of mini portals to be able to offer various des- destination experiences that go beyond and outside the hotel. Is that something that the independent sector is looking at too? Absolutely, I think that's one big shift uh, that has happened in traveler expectations i think in the last three years four years the the emphasis on experiences what do you what do what do i do once i'm in bali what are the options available um that has become very very important that's sort of become front and center for a lot of our hotel partners um again as as uh, as a technology partner for our hotels one of the things we are doing now is looking at integrating as part of that guest management integrating um, experiences a supply from from third parties that can be shown to guests that are in the hotel and want to book you know um, experiences while they're in the hotel uh, similarly in that pre-arrival email uh, hotel can pick what kind of guest experiences they want to offer to their guests and we will be then able to send those guest experiences as part of the, the pre-arrival email so the guests can make a choice before even they arrive to the hotel. So um, that's definitely a, a big a big driver, I think, from a guest perspective, but also from independent hotels perspective, um, it's, a, it's a big source of ancillary revenue and that's something that they are very interested in. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I can see that's the a great new source of revenue for properties everywhere to be able to upsell essentially and and get commissions that way too. So you also mentioned about AI earlier. Um, So how do you see independent hotels using AI tools to support their business operations? One thing that we are seeing um, and we are starting to sort of work with our independent hotels on, on solving this is, as I said, staff shortages and 
complexities around managing different types of guests that come from different countries, different languages. And obviously, AI, I think, lends itself very well for those kinds of use cases. So a simple example would be, if you are a hotel today, um, you are on, say, eight to nine different OTA platforms and maybe even more offline agents and bed banks, you don't have capacity or expertise um, to look at all the reviews that you're getting and then to respond to those reviews in a in a very personalized way, right? A lot of the re re review responses, even for big chains, what you see is a very sort of templated, thank you for staying with us, you know, we, we, we are glad you had a good experience or we're sorry that you didn't have a good experience. A very, very templated kind of response. What we are doing for our hotel partners is streamlining that whole process where we are building a tool which would then automatically review uh, or look at all the reviews. We will do sentiment analysis for our hotel partners on all the reviews that they're getting. And then more importantly, we will also then respond to those reviews in a, in a far more personalized way than a hotel partner was able to do. So as a hotel, then you don't have to spend time, resources, energy on doing all that analysis and then trying to respond back to every review. We as Zuzu, our technology will do that on your behalf. So that's just one simple example of how AI will be able to then you know, help these hotel partners. Then there's a bunch of other things. You know, you start, um, a lot of the OTAs are pushing this idea of guest messages on their platform. So, you know, if you book on booking.com, you can message a property, uh, property then can message you back. Obviously, Airbnb, their platform was very heavy on messaging the host back and forth. Um, again, independent hotels don't have resources, capacity, expertise to respond to those, those questions um, in a timely manner. We are, again, using AI to be able to do that on behalf of the hotel. So the hotel doesn't have to worry about responding to every question. The simple question, how do I get there? What are the activities? Do you have a pool? You know, those kinds of questions can be automatically responded back by the AI. And any complex things can then be pushed back to the hotel where they can do a more personalized response back to the guest. Yeah, that's really interesting. The whole new world of AI, I guess we'll see how that really transpires uh, in 2024. Vikram, when in the statement your company made when you secured your recent financing, you said that you will in future have a keen focus on India. Now, there's been a lot of hype and, and, and interest in the Indian market this year and last year as well, I guess. I think for two reasons. One, because of the general growth of the Indian market and also as a kind of counterbalance to China as well. So how do you see the Indian travel market shaping up over the coming years Will we see that hyper growth or will it become a bit more moderated? So the way I think about India and for our business is twofold. So one is obviously the hotels that we have in India. Um, how are they doing? How will they continue to do? And then the second is impact of Indian travelers into Southeast Asia, which then impacts our markets like Bali and Phuket and Bangkok. So on the first one, which is the domestic Indian hotels that we work with, as you mentioned correctly, the last two, three years for India have been incredible, especially for domestic travel. You know, some of the hotel partners that we work with, they had their best years back in 2020, 2021. 
because the borders were closed, the entire population of India was only allowed to travel domestically. And that was a big, big source of uh, a travel demand for, for, for our hotel partners. And I think that even though that has slowed down a little bit as borders have opened up and you know Indian tourists are now traveling outside, I don't see that significantly continuing to be down for, for a long time. You know, if you just look at um, some of the indicators, right? So Indigo, for example, recently had ordered or placed a significant order for, for new aircraft, right? Because they are seeing a lot of that domestic and outbound demand for, for, for the Indian travelers. So you see that happening in India, and I think that will spur a lot of domestic demand. But then to your other question, uh, to the other point on Indian outbound, I mean, we already see that now, partially because China is not fully back yet, but also because after the borders opened up, a lot of Indian travelers have started sort of traveling outside. So in Southeast Asia, across most of the market, now Indian outbound segment is in the top three segments that are driving the business, right? Thailand, you know, Indians are now number two or number three, I think. Singapore, they are in the top three, um, even in places like Bali, which is traditionally not a very strong market for India, with the whole lot of direct flights now starting into Jakarta and Bali, Indian travelers are starting to sort of see that, um, that growth. And that growth, I think, is going to continue in the next three to five years. So there's significant growth coming out of India in the next three to five years in terms of outbound. Um, so I'm super excited about both domestic India, so our hotels in India, but also then the Indian travelers that are going to drive a lot of the demand in Southeast Asia. Yeah, it's exciting times, isn't it? It's uh, a huge, huge potential, I think, coming out from India. So gazing into the crystal ball, we, you know, we love to start asking that question as we get towards the end of the year, right? What do you see will be some of those key industry trends in 2024? Are there going to be more opportunities than challenges or vice versa? Or what's, what's 2024 going to be like? Uh, look, I mean, the travel industry is inherently dynamic. We have seen, you know, that over the last four or five years, you know, with COVID, before COVID, the numbers were growing significantly and then COVID happened and and the industry now has very quickly recovered, um, or at least is on the path of recovery in Southeast Asia very quickly. Um, I don't think 2024 is going to be an exception. Um, you know, if um, nothing crazy like COVID happens, then I think um, I can see 2024 uh, being better than 2019 for the travel industry in, in the markets that we are in. Um, especially if you think about all the the pent-up demand that 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 was there not just leisure but even travel um you know business travel um corporate mice you know all, all that travel demand that was there is still not fully back yet so that's going to come back in 2024 and then the other sort of significant piece which i think will have a big impact on travel industry as i mentioned is ai i i think we are at very early stages this is going to fundamentally change the way people travel, fundamentally change the way OTAs work, change the way hotels have to adapt to this new technology. So I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities in my mind in 2024 than challenges, just because now we have a, an up and coming technology, demand will be back, so the growth will be back overall. 
Nice. I love it. Ending on an upbeat note. So that brings the show to a close for this week. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed with Vikram or anything we've missed out. You can drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show. Yep, our grateful thanks to Vikram for some fascinating insights. It's great to talk about the independent hotel sector, the hotel tech booking sector, and of course, AI. Let's hope that Vikram's uh, predictions come true. As always, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, the seasiatravelshow.com, and you can find us on any international podcast platform. So that's a wrap for today, but Gary and I will be back soon to talk more travel and tourism in Southeast Asia. See you then.